0: Hello Jubilee family. It's such a joy connecting with you today. Received much love from Origen Church, uh, your Mexican familia in Guadalajara. Uh, we miss you dearly and uh, we dream with the day that we could visit again your beautiful city. I personally love St. Louis. I love the architecture. I love the St. Louis Arc. Uh, but as, as you may have figured out already, uh, food is my love language so I gotta be honest with you and tell you how much I miss my favorite place in St. Louis, which is uh, Papi's Barbecue. That place captured my heart with uh, those amazing ribs and those brisket-born ends and sweet potatoes and more. Uh, And I just want to say today that I'm so grateful for the life of Rachel and Brian Mori and the life of the elders in your church. Thank you for setting an example uh, for many of us and thank you for loving us during this time of crisis Uh, your elders have been encouraging us and inspiring us in so many ways uh, so I just want to say how grateful we are as a church to be a part of you and to love you and to just receive your friendship. I also want, I want to honor, uh, now that I have the privilege to talk to, talk to you this day, uh, I want to honor Linda and John Lanferman and their beautiful legacy of faith and love for the kingdom that is printed in the history and the future of Jubilee Church. Uh, we are a family of churches and what a privilege it is to be a part of it. Uh, We work together and we believe together that God will move in our cities and in the nations through us together. I believe uh, we are a generation that is witnessing a new revival, a new move of God. And this new move of God uh, is not how we expected it would be uh, or how we imagined it would look like, but it certainly is how God planned it to be. I believe it will come uh, from our homes and living rooms, and it will overflow into our neighborhoods and cities, and it will impact the nations. I'm excited to hear in the days to come uh, all the revival stories that will happen around our tables and family meals and and prayer gatherings in our living rooms. We've been praying for you, Jubilee Church, and I really hope that you are well and safe and uh, healthy during this crisis and that you may keep loving extravagantly and leading fiercely in this time of difficulties. Today I want to share with you from three verses found in this first letter of the Apostle John, and I got my Spanish Bible just to impress you, but I have the verses right here with me in English. Uh, The first letter of the Apostle John is considered to be the last written portion of the New Testament. The first letter is actually anonymous. Uh, But the second and third uh, Letter of John are written by someone called the elder The language and style of these uh, three letters are identical to the to each other and to John's gospel And that is why some most people think that all of them come from John the disciple that Jesus loved and by the way uh, I really love the fact that he is who calls himself like that, the disciple that Jesus loved. So, John writes the, with the authority of a loving spiritual father. He's a papa, uh, he's possibly around eighty or ninety years old and he's overseeing a network of house church communities that are likely gathering around the city of Ephesus which is so timely for us in these days as we're pretty much doing the same. We're gathering in house churches and, uh, and that's the kind of environment that the church is living in in these days. So, I really love the style of this letter that it reads more like a poetic sermon. And, 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 and John uh, makes a statement in his letter that he's not actually communicating new information. In fact, all of the key ideas and words in 1st John come from Jesus' teachings in the gospel that has exactly his name, the gospel of John. So, us as a church, we've been uh, in a five-week journey in the letter of John. And something that has come to my attention is the remarkable transformation that John experienced in his life. I mean, we usually preach about uh, Saul becoming Paul or or, or how Simon became Peter, but in John we see a man. beginning his journey with Jesus being known as the son of the thunder and finishing his life being known as John the apostle of love So, John's nickname was not uh, unlike the names found in the world of wrestling, the WWE. I mean, I could totally see a fight cartel announcing Hulk Hogan against the Son of Thunder. Or in our Mexican context, Nacho Libre or Ramses against the Son of Thunder. So, by the way, this nickname, the Son of Thunder, was given to him by Jesus himself. So, this transformation in John's life proves that we can never be the same once we have been exposed to the extravagant love of Jesus. And we are changed forever when we are found in Him and when we personally experience experience his amazing grace. So John's goal in these verses that we're about to read is to remind the Christian community and remind us today of who we are in Christ and encourage us to stay true to what we believe. So let's go ahead and read these uh, three verses of of the scripture in 1 John 2 verses uh, from 12 to 14. So this is the word of the Lord. because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So the emphasis in these verses is on things that have already been accomplished. You don't need to be forgiven, you have been forgiven. You need to know him, you have known him. And you don't need to overcome the evil one because you have overcome the evil one. This is not a call from John to attain these things. This is a celebration and an affirmation of things already attained. He describes action completed in the past with ongoing results. So John is addressing in these verses to all the community of believers as little children. And we know this as a fact because John uses the Greek word translated as little children six other times in this letter to address the entire church. Then he's dividing his audience of believers into fathers and young men. John wants his readers at whatever stage in Christian life they are to consider and remember what God has done in their lives. So he begins reminding all believers as little children two magnificent facts. Your sins are forgiven for his namesake and you know the Father. So he's doing this. Exactly because he knows that as we move forward in our Christian journey, we tend to take for granted these two glorious realities. So that's why John is using the term little children to address every believer. Because even mature believers need to remember and be overwhelmed by joy and gratitude by the fact that our sins have been forgiven and that we know God As our father so that's exactly the reason why David exclaims in Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered how blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity that's why Nehemiah 9 verse 17 proclaims but you are God of forgiveness gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness this is not Listen to this, church family. This is not theology for new believers. These are magnificent truths that can sustain believers and can sustain our faith and our hope in every season of our lives. In times of crisis, we can remember that even this momentary suffering shall pass and that we have eternal assurance that our names are written in heaven and now we know God. God as our father so now I am his child I went from from being an orphan to being a legitimate son of God from condemned to free from son of wrath to son of forgiveness from son of the devil to be a son of God that's the beauty of the gospel that no one else has access to know God as a father No one else has access to know a man as a father, only his children. So, in my case, I have three boys. I have Santi, André, and Luca. Five-year-old, three-year-old, six-month-old boys. So, you can imagine the chaos in my house these days. So, nobody else in the world can access to know me as Papa but these three little boys. They are my boys and they know it. So I can be pastor or I can be friend to somebody else. But Father, I am only to my little children. And that's exactly what happens with God. Some have known God as Yahweh. Some others will know God as the judge. But no one else has access to know God as Father. Only His children. Only You. If you are still not overwhelmed by our inclusion in his family, by our inclusion in his church, it might be helpful for you to know that there are beings in heaven today that look at us in wonder. 1 Peter 1 verse 12 says, It is so wonderful, meaning about our salvation, that even the angels watched with great expectation to see how this occurred. I mean they wonder how did this amazing salvation happen and John is reminding us that it is for Jesus name's sake he means with that, that our sins are forgiven on account of the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross, so we can let our joy and worship and gratitude overflow today for the scandalous grace that saved us in the cross of Jesus, and that He attained for us in his resurrection, conquering death and fear, so that we can live now as confident children being freely forgiven forever so John continues his exposition and goes to address to the fathers and for emphasis he repeats exactly the same thing in verse 13 and verse 14 which is fathers you know him who has been from the beginning and sorry I get so excited the verb know it's imperfect tense, meaning you have come to know him and you still know him. The Greek the Greek verb means to know by experience. The phrase used by John in this portion of the scripture encourages the fathers focusing on the eternality of God because spiritual maturity involves developing an eternal perspective on life. The older you get, the more you realize how short and uncertain the life really is. Even with this whole crisis, in these times of crisis, uh, our eyes are open to this reality. As we grow older, we see more clearly that all of the things that worry us and and, and and that we strive to attain, like riches and recognition and pleasure and adventure or whatever that would be for you, fade away in the face of death and eternity. But the fathers, the fathers know that nothing has taken God by surprise. He is always in control. In every circumstance of our lives, when the world fears and trembles, the fathers bring calm in the chaos because they know how the story in this book ends. The fathers have seen God move before. The fathers know that God has sustained his children in the past, and they know that he will do it again in the future they have seen God being faithful and they have the certainty that he will continue to be faithful tomorrow in this time of crisis as never before This time of crisis and trials, we need the voice of the Father. We need you, fathers, encouraging the believers and strengthening our faith, reminding us that the Eternal will never change and His faithfulness is ours forever. We need the voice of the fathers. And finally, John is addressing the young. And he says to the young, you are strong and the Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. And these words show us that Christian life is also an intense battle with the enemy of our souls. But, and here's the but, our strength to overcome evil comes from the word of God that lives in us. The word of God in us has the power, the power to defeat the two weapons that Satan uses against us, which is accusation and condemnation. He accuses us with the sin that we have already committed, and he tempts us with the sin that we have not yet committed. And do not think, please do not think that do not think of temptation these days only as immoral behaviors. Because maybe in these days, in this time of crisis, you might look around and see a great economic crisis and a health crisis which might tempt you to abandon your faith and confidence in God. Like Job, his wife in the middle of his suffering said to him, curse God and die. And the reality of the Christian, the reality of the believer is that we are fighting against an enemy that has already been defeated. He doesn't need to be beaten again. Jesus already defeated him once and for all. And John is reminding us, you young people are strong because the word of God lives in you. The Word of God makes us strong in order to have victory over evil because it saturates our lives and our spirit and our minds with truth. Truth about Christ, truth about the cross, truth about the goodness of God, truth about the Spirit of God living in us and reminds us of who we are in Christ, His Word. Guides me in times of suffering. His word is light to my feet. It's a lamp to my feet. He keeps me pure and holy. That's why David, the psalmist, says in Psalm 119, verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Our enemies, listen to this. Church family, our enemies were taken away at the cross when Christ won at Calvary. So Jesus has defeated the enemy of our souls. And maybe, maybe today, maybe in this season of uncertainty, you have been feeling weak and fearful. But let me remind you that the paradox of, our, of us being Christians, the paradox of a Christian is precisely that when we feel weaker, we are actually stronger. You no know longer how to live as if your sins had not been forgiven. Don't live in the failures of your past when you can live in forgiveness today. You can live victorious instead of fearful because our God has won. Jesus has risen from the dead and we have been raised up together with Him. And now His life, His death, His blood on the cross. And the power of the resurrection are my new realities are the realities in which I am living in today so little children little children of God you Christian you believer you that have placed your hope in Jesus your sins are forgiven for his namesake you have known the father fathers know him who is from the beginning we need you boys we need your voice we need your faith Young in the faith you are strong the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one this is who we are in these things that we have already been accomplished that have already been accomplished. We have placed our faith, our hope, and our joy. In the midst of crises and our cert- and our uncertainty, we have eternal hope and certainty, and that should saturate our lives with worship in response. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you and keep your faith going in these days. I believe the church will go farther and stronger and faster because God is building His church and nothing can prevail against it.